Welcome to another episode here at the Midnight Founders Podcast. We're so excited to be with you today. This is AJ Rounds from Rev Road and Jake McCarg from CB Vault. Here at the Midnight Founders Podcast, we focus on telling behind the scenes stories for what makes a successful entrepreneur. We're excited for another week. Here we go. Okay, we're excited to be here today with Dan Roberts from Savvy Legal. Welcome. Thank you. Excited to be here as well. Thanks for having me. I'm feeling savvy already. <laughs> so great. I'm sure you've never heard that one, No, right? that's a new one. Never. <laughs> oh, well, let's get the 30-second uh, elevator pitch on uh, what Savvy's doing. Cool. So Savvy Legal uh, is a legal operations platform for startups and investors. And so we have automated workflows to help you get through all the legal and operational stuff that you need on a from the transactions perspective. So anything from entity formation, employment docs, equity documents, uh, board and stockholder consents from the startup side. And if you're an investment vehicle, getting your entity formed, getting all of your investor subscription agreements automated. And then we store all that, those documents, all that data, make it very easy to manage those relationships going forward, create data rooms, share information, analyze information, Etc. So that's Savvy Legal. Um, we also are launching uh, a new brand that we call Paper OS, which is actually the legal technology platform on which Savvy Legal is built. And so Paper OS is a transactions platform that can automate and manage all sorts of transactions, uh, whether it's like Savvy Legal, we use it, the platform for corporate transactions, but we have other people who are using it for consulting transactions or investment transactions or whatever it may be. And so it's a, you know, a platform to allow businesses that need to manage transactions at scale to be able to run those, run those businesses. So that's paper OS. Very cool. Dan, what, what was the catalyst that, I mean, and, and we at RevRoad love working with Savvy Leo and we've been doing it for years and you guys are great. But what was the catalyst that got you into this space? Yeah, great question. So I'm a corporate attorney, been working in the venture space for over 13 years. Uh, started out uh, working as fund counsel, working with investors on the investment side, helping do for fund formations as well as fund financings in the venture space. Um, moved into big law, uh, worked in Austin, Texas at a big international law firm and started working more on the company side. Uh, worked with hundreds of startups through hundreds of financings and exits and entity formations and the entire corporate life cycle. And while I was at that big international law firm, uh, I was I kind of volunteered to go and seek out legal technology that we could use as a law firm to improve our efficiency, to make the client experience better, um, because a lot of what we were doing is very repetitive doesn't take a law degree to go change a name, date, a number in a in a template in Word, right? And so even though that's what a lot of what the lawyers were doing and charging $700, $800, $1,200 an hour to do, uh, felt like it was inefficient and the, the clients were kind of getting ripped off uh, under that billable rate, billable hour model. And so it was, we were Thank looking- Thank you so much. Power yeah, to the people. Exactly. Right? It's uh, dang attorneys, man. <laughs> So we were trying to be more efficient. You know, we all recognized that we could be more efficient. And if we didn't become more efficient, then somebody was going to come up with a legal technology somewhere, someday, that would replace what we were doing. Because what we were doing could be replaced by a computer. At least 
that word processing aspect of what we were doing. Uh, the legal counsel aspect, no. Um, but yeah, and so that was, I, I was tasked with finding a tool that was out that we could we could use, and there weren't very any good tools that we felt satisfies our needs as attorneys, as well as something that worked for our clients, got them what they needed as well. And so got to the point in that legal practice where I had to make a decision of, hey, am I going to become a partner in a big international law firm, be doing law for the rest of my career, or do something else? And at that point, you know, I, I, I'd always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, I started talking with one of my brothers, Matt, who's my co-founder at Savvy. And he is more on the tech side. He'd started a few companies, worked in big tech um, for a number of companies. And we started talking about this pain point that I'd experienced as attorney and that I think a lot of my clients were experiencing. And, and he vetted it and said, yeah, I, I think that that's, that's accurate. Let's see if we can, we can come up with a solution for this. And so we started Savvy in 2017 went on a interview circuit where we were talking to VC funds, we were talking to other attorneys, we were talking to hundreds of startups. And everybody that said, yeah, this is a this is a major pain point. There's a need here. Uh, there have been a lot of people who've tried to solve this. It's not like people haven't tried to, but if you guys think that you've got the uh, the background and the knowledge and the and the uh, willpower to to do it, then go for it. And so we did. We launched Savvy uh, Technologies, and our product, Savvy Legal, was initially targeted towards startups. And, and that goal being, let's put something out there that automates standard transactions for startups that today, being 2017, startups were needing to go talk to an attorney to get done, even though it wasn't necessarily a very complex transaction. These were standard standard templates that they were needing to get get uh, you know generated and signed. So we we built Savvy Technologies. That was the first thing that that we launched was that startup package, giving other founders those automated workflows to get their entities formed, to get their founder documents generated, get equity agreements out the door and signed and stored back in a way that they could export it into a cap table. You know, all of this le these legal documents and data, they're all over the place. At least for uh, a founder who's trying to DIY it, they might have their entity formations documents, you know, on Clerky or, or just from a state website so sitting somewhere in somebody's inbox. They might have their stock option plan that their attorney set up and they never actually signed it. They might have equity, uh, a cap table without any equity agreements anywhere. And so everything's all spread out and we're trying, to, we, we created a, platform that just streamlined that for startups. Uh, and we got hundreds of hundreds of companies using it. And at some point, kind of when when uh, right when COVID was coming out, we'd always launched Savvy with the vision of we want this to be not just to be a startup platform, to be but to be a platform that really is a life cycle tool that people can grow with, even though our initial product was uh, you know, entity formations for startups. We wanted startups to feel like, okay, now we've got our entity formed. We need these other documents that might be specialized, you know, our contractor agreements or our vendor agreements or our employment documents 
We might have special contracts that are still standardized. We don't need to tweak them all that much, but we want to automate them. And so we wanted our platform to be seen as something that could take any document and automate it for that company or an industry. And so when COVID came and we had all these PPP, this rush of the PPP money was announced and everybody was trying to figure out how do we get PPP money, we got the PPP application and within a matter of hours had an automated PPP application workflow up on our website. And that same day that the PPP um, uh, was announced, we had a send your PPP application to a bank workflow up and running for people. And so that really kind of demonstrated, hey, we've built this very horizontal platform, very powerful, could be used for all sorts of things. And we have the ability to take any document and get it set up in an automated workflow in a matter of minutes. We can do it very quickly. And so that was kind of the first custom workflow that we, we had. From then, we had people asking us, people who were using our platform as entrepreneurs or who had invested in companies on our platform, they said, hey, could you do this in these other verticals? And they started dragging us into other verticals. So our second vertical was in the SPV space. So special purpose vehicles in for investors who wanted to go and invest in startups. I said, hey, could you do SPV formations like you do startup formations? Could we do our investment documents like you do this, the founder documents on startups? Could we do our... Could we set up data rooms for our SPVs for our investors? And uh, we said, yeah, let's, let's give it a try. Got that set up in, you know, in a day and had our first SPV out the door that same week. And so that was our, our second product. And from there, we kind of said, okay, what are other types of verticals we can get into? And we left, we, we, we still have Savvy Legal operating in those spaces. And we said, let's launch Paper OS as that more horizontal platform that pretty much any business who has a lot of transactions they need to manage, they can set up those transactions, automate them, and manage them through that platform. And so that's where uh, PaperOS comes into play, and we, we've launched that. And it's under the same company. Savvy Legal and PaperOS are both under Savvy Technologies. Cool. Okay, so do uh, companies just, for with PaperOS, do they just pay for access to the, the program, or do they pay for every time they need a new document created? How does that work? Great question. So... Our, our savvy legal customers pay a subscription to get access to that template library or a workflow library where we've got the templates, we've got the logic, and it's all set up for that startup use case. They pay a subscription based on how big of a company they are, and they can use it up to, you know, X number of documents. And if you're an early stage startup, you get on our starter plan, and you're going to have more than enough documents to get you to your seed financing or beyond. If you're a Series A company, you get on an advanced plan, that'll give you more than enough documents for the needs that you have. For our paper OS use cases, those are very much more of a custom, uh, uh, those are custom licenses where we talk to you and say, okay, what workflows do you need to automate? Um, are you automating, uh, you know, your investor subscription agreement. You know, if we're talking to an investment fund who wants to set up uh, an automated invest, investor portal. How many of these are you going to be doing in a given year? Um, how complex is this workflow? And then we come up with a, you know, an enterprise license for that use case. It's more, you know, play it by ear. Sometimes those are, uh, we will just pay you 
every time we need to generate a document. Sometimes it's let's prepay for 5,000 documents and then anything above those 5,000 we'll pay as we go. And obviously, you know, there's benefits to doing it one way or another, but those are very much, hey, let's talk to you on what your needs are, what your volume is looking like, and we can go from there. Dan, this is so cool, and I, I love that you guys have built this, and you're going strong, and, and the journey's been real, right? Um, I guess my question for you would be along the lines of you're kind of disrupting the attorney world just a little bit, right? So have you had any backlash from other attorney friends about what are you doing? You're kind of ruining this for us. What's going on? You know, not so much from attorney friends that I know. Mm -hmm. Um, People that I know are pretty much on board. They get it and they see where what we're building can provide value to them. Um, Even, you know, my old mentors at the big international law firm that I used to work for uh, have actually, you know, they've been wanting to be advisors. They've invested when we've asked for, if, if we've opened up an investment round, they've been the first ones to invest. So people that I know have been very, very supportive and see the vision. But we do get you know, pushback from the industry itself. And just to give an example, we, very early on, we were looking at accelerators. And um, you know, you've got the Y Combinators, you've got Techstars, and in Techstars specifically, we had gotten to basically to the point where they said, hey, you're in. We love what you're doing. This is super needed. Um, the only thing we need to do is run, run it by our current our law firm partner to see what they, what, oh, no. how, how you can fit in with how we work with them. <laughs> oh, no. And that law firm partner basically told them, hey, we don't want you to let them into your accelerator. And so we didn't get in. After we'd been told, we were, we were already had passed all of the, the interviews and, and had been essentially admitted, admitted, they came back and said, our, our law firm does not want us to let you participate. We don't, they don't, they're worried that you will come in and then all of the Techstars companies will, who you're going to be talking with as a cohort member are going to be using your, your tool instead of them. <laughs> they felt threatened, didn't they? And so we've absolutely... That's had, a market validation. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's, it's also very interesting because right about the same time we were launching, and our, our model has always been, we want our platform to be seen as attorney agnostic. We want attorneys to come to us and use our platform. We don't want to supplant attorneys. We want to be a tool that attorneys add to their toolbox. Because it only makes their life better. It makes their life better. It makes them come across as you know more tech savvy to their clients. It makes their clients' experience so much better. And so they can do twice as much exactly. or three times as much, right? And so that's what we've always wanted to kind of attorneys to see us as. And that's also why we've separated Savvy Legal from Paper OS. We want attorneys to be able to come to Paper OS and say, okay, we can get on Paper OS. We see what you've done with Savvy Legal. Let's do our own version of Savvy Legal. Let's do, you know, the my take my documents, get them automated so that I can do what Dan did with his practice on Savvy Legal. And so that's what where we want people, the attorneys to come to Paper OS and see that vision. Uh, but right when we were launching Savvy, um, attorneys, there was another company that launched. It was called uh, Atrium. And... Atrium raised, it was started by a non-attorney. His name was Justin Kahn. 
he started Twitch TV, super popular in Silicon mm. Valley, mm -hmm. big, big player at Y Combinator as well. And he's like, I'm going to solve the legal issues, the legal, the legal tech issues that the, and, and the divide between startups and lawyers. And so he started Atrium, raised, I think it was over $75 million. And it was one of these party raises where everybody got into it because everybody saw the issue, which was validating to us because we're like, we're trying to do that. But their approach was, we're going to form a technology company and our own law firm, and we're going to build these two up, and we're going to solve this issue ourselves. But then uh, they raised the $75 million, They went out, got a bunch of good attorneys joined up, a bunch of startups joined up, said, hey, this is what we're looking for. And then at that point, we were out trying to raise money as an early stage company, and every, all the investors are like, look, Atrium's beat you to it. You're not going to beat Atrium which kind of stunk. We, we went into kind of stealth mode and, and, start and continued. We knew that we had a good vision. And so we continued down our path, kept tabs on Atrium. And lo and behold, after about a year, uh, they went under, returned as much capital as they could to the investors. And, and Justin Kahn said, this is a problem that I'm not, I'm not able to solve. And Atrium went under. And so then investors, when we were talking to them, they said, well, if Atrium couldn't, Atrium couldn't do it, why couldn't you? Uh, and, and our response was the same where, our, our response was, our model was different. We're trying to make it, we're provide, trying to provide a, a tool to every attorney instead of trying to own the process ourselves and making this, again, an attorney agnostic approach that all attorneys everywhere could come get their templates in their system, create their own version of Atrium and do it better. Uh, and so that was, we, we stuck it out. We lived longer than that potential competitor and we learned from what they did. We took what they did and what they, how they failed, and we incorporated those learnings into where, what we were doing, and we're still here. And so we've seen a number of competitors like that popped up and have died down, whereas we're still here and, and learning and, and applying those, those lessons. And still here and stronger than exactly, ever. Exactly, right stronger than ever. Yes, love it. And now you have a new spinoff. Uh, exactly. Wow. So we've, we've taken those learnings and, and applied them to paper OS, which, which for us is that, that, that vision of we want to make it easy for every attorney everywhere to get their documents automated so that their clients can get in and, and use their, their own, the, the attorney's knowledge in the way that that attorney wants their clients to use it. Uh, it's always the worst thing when you're an attorney, you have a client who doesn't want to pay your hourly rate, and so they go to LegalZoom. And they use a legal Zoom <laughs> template. And then they come to you six months later and they say, okay, we're ready to raise money. Um, I know we didn't use you because early on we were trying to be cheap, but we use legal Zoom. And then that attorney has to tell the, the client, legal Zoom's documents are just so bad that we have to redo it all. And you're going to pay more now than you would have if you just used my documents from the, from the very beginning. And so we want to give that attorney the ability to say, don't use legal Zoom you can still use an automated service with my templates. Here it is. That's, that's the vision. That's like OS. what my car mechanic would say if I tried to fix anything on my car. Exactly. <laughs> You've yeah. made a bigger problem right. than it started as. Jake, what did you do? <laughs> You're not supposed to use a hammer in a car. Exactly. <laughs> that's oh, that's hilarious. Uh, well, I'm sure you've seen, you know, thousands. You got hundreds of companies on your platform right now. I'm sure you've seen thousands of startups come through. What is... 
what are like common mistakes that startups are making early on that you wish they would come and talk to an attorney before they made them? Yeah, there's there's the legal mistakes, and then there's just you know general founder mistakes that we see happen all the time. Um, you know, on the legal side of things, we've never seen any of those. <laughs> I'm sure Reb Road has seen it, their fair share. Yeah. Um, but on the legal mistakes, it's always trying to trying to get away with not doing something that you just need to do. And, and that could be going and using LegalZoom when there are better options out there. Um, LegalZoom is great for certain things, but you're a company that's, if you're a startup, you're going to be growing at a, a very fast pace. I, I, ideally, you're going to get to the point where you're growing. Your legal needs to be buttoned up. You're going to be raising money from very intelligent people who are going to look at your legal documents and they're going to know if you did something half-baked. They're gonna look at that. And so the, the kind of five areas that, that you really gotta pay attention to that most founders don't know about, you've got your organizational documents. Do you have good organizational documents? You wouldn't be, you'd be surprised how many times I see a company that gets, goes and gets formed as a corporation um, and they use a, a organizational documents that are meant for an LLC which they just don't mesh at all. And then they get to where they're trying to do a board or stockholder uh, you know, consent and their organizational documents don't have anything about their board because LLCs don't, have, don't always have boards or whatever it may be. And so their organizational documents are just, you can tell that they DIY'd it without good templates to reference and without an attorney to talk to them through it. Uh, so the organizational documents are always that first thing. Your founder documents, have the founders actually signed anything? You get a year down the road, your, your startup's taking off, and you think that everything that your co-founder was working on is owned by the company, but it turns out they never signed anything, and they leave the company to start their own competitor, and you don't have anything where they're bound by confidentiality, any IP assignment, any non-competes, and huge issue if you've delayed those founder documents until you're either successful or you're trying to raise money. Uh, so that's a big issue. Uh, equity, uh, a lot of times you see people come get to the point where they're going to raise money from investors and they come pull up their cap table, their ownership table, and they say, yeah, I've got 60%, my buddy's got 30 and we've got 10% in an option pool. And you say, okay, where, where are those documents? And they say, no, this is the document, this table that shows 60, 30, 10. <laughs> that's, that's what we agreed to. And we say, okay, it's great that you've agreed to it, but if you don't have anything you know, authorizing that issuance from the board or a signed equity agreement that lays out how many shares people have, then you don't actually own those <laughs> shares. And so equity is a big issue that people think that just talking about it or writing it in an email Putting it in a spreadsheet it gets it done for you. It doesn't. Uh, and so that's the third area. Then your, your team documents. So many people go and start hiring their, their initial employees, their developers, their sales and marketing folks, your, their operations team, and they don't have them sign the IP assignment confidentiality agreements. And that's one of the number one things that an investor is going to ask you for when you get to a, an investment round. Have all of your employees signed IP assignment and confidentiality? Uh, we, I call it a PIIA. 
Every law firm has a different acronym for it, a CIIA, a PIIAA. There's different, but the idea is the same. You want all of your employees to assign IP assignment confidentiality and non-compete if you want, uh, if it's applicable, if it's, mm -hmm. if it's enforceable for your company. But those, those kind of are the four. And then, you know, looking at your terms of service, privacy policy, whatever your, co your customers are signing or agreeing to, is that in good shape? Uh, most people you know, don't do a good job of keeping track of those documents, and they have a cleanup, due diligence scramble the first time they raise money. Or first time they go get a loan. Or they go to get a loan. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we've gotten down the road with somebody, and it's like, hey, your operating agreement says this person has to sign. They're like, they haven't been part of the company for years. Exactly. There's no way we'll get a signature from them. And it's like, well... <laughs> you can't do a loan unless you have everybody's signature. So, yep. Yeah, and they have to go back and change operating agreements. And yeah, it's kind of funny how. Wow. Yeah. We see it all the time. And 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 like like I was saying before, when you're a startup, and I'm I'm an entrepreneur. I know exactly how this feels. I have a legal tech company that makes that I've built to manage this process. And even then, sometimes I find myself after hiring an employee. I'm like, wait, did we go and send that employee my employment documents? Even though for me, it's as, as easy as logging in and putting their name and email and hitting submit on, on my savvy account. And I know how easy it is because that's what I've built. Sometimes I find myself being so busy as a founder that I don't get to it. And, and if I'm that way, I know that every other founder, is, it's, it's that much harder for them to keep track of it. And the thing is, is when you get to a, a financing, I've been investors counsel and I'm looking at this stuff. I mean, th this is the sad thing. Investors counsel has to justify their bill, their bill. And the way that they justify their bill is they look really close at the company's legal documents. Every single one of those, even if they could look at one document instead of all 50 employment documents and know what it says, they're going to look at every single employment document. And they're going to do a deep dive on it. And if you don't have your documents organized or good templates, it's going to hold up your financing. So it's, it's an issue. And again, that's what we've been trying to build at Savvy. We've got a data room that organizes everything really well. And, and so part of the platform is building out that data room as you go along. We call it an evergreen data room because every document you're signing is automatically getting uploaded into your data room and being sorted into a report where it belongs, uh, super clean. And we're, we're, we're implementing AI into that as well to make sure it can, you know, the AI is able to analyze documents, help you be ahead of the curve on, hey, you're missing, missing these documents or your documents don't have these terms in them. So we're, we're implementing the AI aspect into it as well. But. Do you have any stories, Dan, where you have done something for a client and um, it, it saved them. It saved their company or, or it made a huge difference to the point where they came back and said, Dan, I'm so oh, glad yeah. you did this. Tell so, us one of those stories. So had a had a client that um, they were thankfully getting all their employees to sign uh, confidentiality, non-solicit IP assignment. Um, they went and, went and raised money uh, and they were a fintech crypto company, you know, back during the, the heyday. Uh, and one of their chief marketing folks left to go and do his own thing, supposedly. 
Turns out he joined one of their main competitors and he started reaching out to all the banks that they were already having demos with and pilots and relationships with. He started reaching out to all those banks and, and one of the things in the, the document that we make them sign, that we tell all of our clients, you need all of your employees to sign this document, it's non-solicit. You can't go and solicit our customers. You can't use our, um, our customer lists, etc. Well, he was reaching out directly to all their banking customers and the banks, in response, um, used his prior email from when he was working at my mm -hmm. client. Mm -hmm. So my client found out because it popped up in their calendar when they invited him to a calendar event to do the demo for the Whoops, competing company. Whoops, minor detail. Uh, they used his old email, yep. and uh, they reached out, were able to reach out and shut down that company and say, you can't talk to this customer because it's in violation of this agreement that this employee that you hired away from us had already signed. So just one example uh, of how important it is to have those good documents in place. You know, that's, that's crazy. What, um, I mean, Dan, tell us a little bit about your, your personal life. We were talking about uh, a little bit about where, you know, you're at and everything. Um, West of Spanish work before going on air and things you have a family and yeah. So, I'm not your your typical entrepreneur by any means. Um, I so I'll give a little bit of back of, of my career history here and my family history. So I I started out as a biochem undergrad. Where at? At BYU. BYU. So BYU biochem, and I worked in a biochem lab as a researcher, um, wrote science papers, all of that, and ended up going to law school thinking I wanted to do patent law. Didn't want to do research for my whole life. Didn't want to become a professor. Didn't want to get a PhD. What could I use my science background for? Patent law came up. And so I went to law school thinking I wanted to do patent law. Um, I did a summer working at a patent law firm while I was in law school and realized I didn't want to do patent law. <laughs> and so I was in law school. Uh, and so I started trying to figure out what I was passionate about. And my dad was a tech entrepreneur here in Provo, one of the early uh, tech entrepreneurs in the 80s when computers were still, you know, just coming out. And I, you know, looked up to my dad. I really, really loved that he was able to go on trips with us as an entrepreneur, uh, loved the freedom it gave him. And it, it made me feel proud as a son that I could talk about how my dad was inventing things and coming up with new ideas. And so I, I really was passionate about that. And I had brothers who were entrepreneurs. I, Matt, my co-founder, was an entrepreneur, uh, doing entrepreneurial things all this time. My older brother, Ben, is an entrepreneur as well. And all of my siblings have kind of been involved in tech. And so I, want, I decided, you know what, let's go and, and get involved in technology. Uh, so that was kind of my direction from getting into the tech and, and startup ecosystem, my impetus for doing that, that I found out that that's what, something I loved and I was passionate about it. Uh, but, you know, I, I was a lawyer for, for eight years before becoming an entrepreneur. I had a family. I, by the time I started Savvy, I already had five kids with one on the way. And so it's pretty rare. There's some pressure. There's a little bit of pressure there where I've got, you know, six kids I've got to make sure that I'm providing for. Um, I've got a wife 
who's at home trying to take care of six kids. She can't really work and provide for us, and so it's still on me to make sure that, uh, you know, we've got a good good life for those those kids. And so entrepreneurship is very, very hard for somebody who has to has to have a family as well. So it was just calling to you. Like, even it, though you had all those reasons it, it, not to, you were like, I have to do uh, it. I, it was at that point in my life where if I didn't do it then, it's I would never... It was never going to happen, and and the opportunity was there. I my brother said, "Hey, let's do it. If you if you're ready, if you if you want to dive in, let's dive in." So I had my brother, who was somebody I I, I knew I wanted to work with, who I could trust, and our first hire was another brother. And so we actually have three three of us, three Roberts brothers at Savvy. Um, the the other brother is a, is a developer, and so he was our our he's been our our longestly longest employed developer at Savvy. So we've got three brothers there. We get a, you know, we have a good time. And I, I said, you know what, let's, let's see if we can make this happen. Um, then the, where it's a little bit different for me compared to an entrepreneur who just quits their job, which made it a little bit more feasible with um, where we were at is I was able to continue practicing law on the side. And so I could continue to have a little bit of revenue that we were using to bootstrap. So while we were getting savvy off the ground, still getting revenue and still getting customers, we could still, you know, pay the bills a little bit with that revenue that I was making from the from the the law practice that I w- I continued to to maintain. And savvy actually fed, fed well into that really well. So savvy as a tech company. Uh, fed people who were looking for legal services into the legal practice. And so we were able to continue to fund the, the development of the tech from those legal services that we were generating. And we got to the point where we were trying to figure out how do we continue to go down this path? And something really interesting happened where Utah, uh, the Utah bar, the Utah Supreme Court actually, instituted something that was the first in the nation. It was called the Legal Innovation Sandbox, where traditionally the bar would prevent any lawyer from practicing law in a business that wasn't wholly owned by law firm, by, by lawyers. The worry there was that if there's lawyers who control the business, or non-lawyers that control the business, there's gonna be ethical issues that lawyers bump up against in their advising of the clients. But the Supreme Court in Utah authorized the Legal Innovation Sandbox, which completely changed our trajectory because now we could marry these two businesses mm. and loop the, the, the um, legal practice in with the tech company and actually make it one business. And that's what Savvy Legal merged into, became. We were able to start offering some services along with just not just the tech, but we, would, we could have the tech automated legal technology platform with services layered on top. And so that is what allowed us to kind of continue to bootstrap, get to the point where we could also pay ourselves a little bit. And it was very hard. Uh, I'm not gonna say that it was easy bootstrapping like that. It, if you don't get, if you're an entrepreneur and you've got a family, you have to have a salary to some degree. And, and your options are either have a side gig or get funding that allows you to pay yourself while you get your company to a profitable state or a revenue generating state. 
So that's where we were able to, you know, it worked out for us. Um, and it's, it's been okay. It, there were a few years there that were pretty hard for my wife, but where she, it was stressful for her and for me. Um, I wouldn't ever recommend that somebody with six kids go and quit their job to start a, start a startup without, you know, knowing that they're going to be able to raise money and, and pay themselves a salary, but it's worked out for us. <laughs> that's, that's great. What, can you talk about where you're at now as a company? Yeah, so um, we are uh, on track for profitability. So Savvy Technologies uh, with Savvy Legal and Paper OS are on track for profitability. We, ha- we took advantage of the PPP environment. So if we took, took on PPP loans, um, we were able to take advantage of that because we had employees pre-COVID that we were paying from the, the legal practice. We were able to leverage those employees and maintain them with the PPP loans. Uh, we took on EIDL. We got EIDL money as well. And we've, we haven't ever done a, a full raise. So we haven't had an official venture round. We haven't needed it. Wow. We've, we've taken on some seed capital from uh, some advisors that we really wanted to get involved. And uh, it's less than 500000 that we've had to take on. Um, and so we are still a pretty small business by you know, most standards, uh, fewer than 15 full-time employees. Mm. But uh, we're growing every year. Uh, very efficient growth. It's not hockey stick growth, but we it's haven't. Sustainable. It's sustainable growth. Yeah. Uh, we haven't raised the money where we could go and hire 50 new sales devs that to 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 fake that growth. And so it's been sustainable, very efficient. Um, our tech is slowly growing. We have a limited R and D budget for our development, and we know probably about two years down the road what our roadmap looks like because we have so many things that we want to add to the platform. Um, and we might raise money at some point. We don't need to though. We're, we're in a good spot. And uh, with Paper OS launching this year, it's opened up a bunch of new verticals for us, a bunch of new uh, revenue channels that we're really excited about. What's on the horizon? What's the next step for you guys? Yeah, so uh, we are really excited about about, so Savvy Legal is continuing to grow. Um, it's getting in front of more and more startups, more and more investment groups. So that's continuing to, to expand and grow. But we're really excited about Paper OS. Our vision for Paper OS is we want every lawyer to feel like they can put their, their templates on Paper OS so that their clients can get on there and use them. We want every startup to be able to get in, in there and automate their own documents. We want everybody who's investing in any fund anywhere to be able to get on, create an account and store their investment documents on there. We, we see it as a, a huge opportunity uh, for the transaction space in general. We call it the transaction operating system. And so just like um, any operating system that's out there, it's we want it to become ubiquitous and we see a lot of opportunity for it. And with AI ballooning like it has, there's a lot of opportunity there for us to integrate AI into transaction space. Uh, a lot of people ask us, okay, we see how, you know, chat GPT could, could take over for lawyers, like answering legal questions. And, and I, I tell people, you know, there's, there's to a certain degree, yes, but if you've ever been a founder of a company, you would, you probably wouldn't want to rely on an AI's advice. You'd want to make sure that 
you get an attorney to sign off on whatever an AI tells you. And I think that AI in the legal space is going to get regulated pretty heavily by bars anyways. Um, AI companies are probably going to put barriers to those AIs in giving legal advice. They're going to make sure that they're, they don't, can't be classified as providing legal advice. Otherwise, they get regulated by the bars. And so I don't think that AI is going to replace attorneys. But if an AI can go to a platform where the attorneys are, have their templates and the AI can access those templates, then somebody can say, hey, AI, can you take my customer list and send out my, the customer agreement that's automated on my attorney's paper OS library? Then the AI can use those tools that the attorneys have, have already made available. And so we, the AI enablement is there. The AI interfaces are there. And we're so really ex excited about uh, where, where we can go with AI as well. That's exciting. So, That's cool. I love that you're embracing all things technology because you don't see that a lot in the, uh, you know, the attorney legal space. That's awesome. Dan, give us, give us kind of a personal story of the moment, maybe at midnight, maybe not, right? Hence the Midnight Founders podcast, right? When you were like, oh, no. We are dead as a company. I don't know how we're going to overcome this. Absolutely. I, I had that. It was a little past midnight. It was probably two or three in the morning. <laughs> oh, so we nailed and, it. <laughs> yeah, so it was absolutely in the middle of the night. Um, it was when COVID was starting to pick up, and I'd looked at our bank account. I'd looked at our payroll and, you know, had, did, did that math where I said, okay, this is how many more weeks we can make it uh, given our current expenses and if everything shuts down because of COVID like we're we're going to be dead in the water and I'm sure it's the same thing that a lot of founders went through during that time frame where the uncertainty and the the like I I wrote in my journal that week a lot and the word that came up the most was I was terrified I didn't know if I was going to be able to you know, obviously the company was top of my mind and all of our employees who were going to have to let go. And uh, my family, you know, I was trying to think what's the future of my family. If this, this company that I've dedicated three years of my life without taking a paycheck for, it goes under, where does that leave us? You know, I, I've emptied my savings account to try to keep this thing afloat. What's going to happen? And, and so I was absolutely terrified. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm a, a religious guy and, and there were a few places I turned for comfort and, um, I received comfort when I needed it and, and the knowledge that things were going to be fine, you know, no matter what happened, if the world turned upside down from COVID, it didn't matter. It wasn't going to be the end of the world for me and my family. Uh, if we needed to let our employees go, they were going to be fine as well. It was going to work out for everybody. And then within a few days, you know, the PPP loan option opened up for us and we didn't have to let anybody go. Uh, we ended up, and we, from that point on, things, you know, picked up for us. Things were, we had a bunch, a, a number of breakthroughs on our platform. We were able to launch a few new products. And again, it was, it was I've, I have been a midnight founder where, I wasn't sure what was going to happen, you know, by the end of the week, 
wasn't sure if we were going to make payroll at the end of the month. Oh, tough and, moments, huh? And, uh, but here we are, we made it. Here you are. Uh, I know that there's other companies that, that haven't. Um, we were, we were lucky, but, um, yeah, it's, it's stressful. Uh, if there's, there's two career paths that where people ask me that when the people tell me that they're going to go down those paths, I, I, I share some stories and ask them to really tell, tell them to really think closely about it. One is being a lawyer and one is being an entrepreneur. <laughs> you picked both. <laughs> I picked both. At the same time. At the same time. Oh, that's hilarious. That's well, I really, you know, I'm really impressed with the fact that A, you started this with six kids and a family and a really stable career, uh, you know, and, and you just, you felt that and you followed it. And then also that you've done it bootstrapping to, um, you know, mainly bootstrapping. You've pulled in some money from some other sources, but, but that's just really impressive. It's, uh, it's awesome, um, to see that level of dedication and sacrifice to, to grow the company. So congratulations on getting to the point that you're at today. Thanks. It's, uh, it's been a wild ride, but we're here. Awesome. Well, uh, Dan, that Kind of wraps it up for the the podcast. Anything else you wanted to talk about or discuss or say while you're on air? Appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks for coming. It's been fun. Thank you guys. We the the audience goes and finds you at savvylegal.com or uh yeah, so www.savvy.legal. Okay. So savvy.legal and S A V V I, not S A V V Y. another tidbit for anybody who's who's coming up with the company name, make it easy to spell. Um, but yeah savvy s-a-v-v-i dot legal okay got it thanks Thanks, Dan thank you guys the Midnight Founders podcast is a podcast about entrepreneurship that is hosted by CB Vault and Rev Road CB Vault is the entrepreneur arm of Central Bank and Rev Road is a venture services firm where companies come to grow thanks for listening to us you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify wherever you listen to your podcasts This is AJ and Jake signing out.